everybody for coming out tonight for our annual Villanova English Alumni Career Panel. Uh, we started this event several years ago just to give majors and minors an opportunity to get more concrete ideas about what kinds of careers that English grads are pursuing after they leave campus. The great thing about the English major is that it is so, um, so flexible and so adaptable. And um, we always hope that this event really kind of illuminates the really wide range of, of career options that you have. So today we have three panelists, um, but our panelists are Joanna Bowen, who is a, graduated in 07 and is the director of the Augustinian Volunteers. Uh, Patrick Mullaney, who graduated in 09 and is the marketing manager at Verity Pharmaceuticals. Um, and Megan Muniz, um, class of 05, who's director of diversity and inclusion partnerships at Pfizer. We've asked them each to talk for five minutes or so about their story, how they wound up in their career. Um, so each of them will speak for five minutes or so, and then we'll have time to kind of ask questions. You can always throw a question in the chat at any point, and Mike will help facilitate that, um, that part of the discussion afterward. So um, we're going to start with, uh, with Joanna. Great. Um, thank you so much for having me tonight. It's, um, it's great to be with you all. Um, so I thought that I would just share a little bit about kind of who I am and, and how I got to where I am um, and uh, go from there. So uh, obviously, my name is Joanna Bowen. Um, I am the class of 2007 from Villanova. Uh, as an undergrad, I majored in English. Obviously, I also majored in art history and had a minor in Spanish. And I went actually went back to Villanova for my graduate work. Um, so I have a master's in counseling from Villanova uh, that I got in 2010 um, and a certificate in nonprofit management that I got in 2014. Um, I also worked at the university for a little while before all of you got here. Um, in campus ministry. Um, so Vonova is really near and dear to my heart. Um, so I'm glad to be with all of you. So I'm originally from Hamilton, New Jersey. Um, and when it was time to choose a college to go to, um, I didn't know a lot about Villanova, even though I'm, I didn't grow up very far from it. Um, but I knew what kinds of things I, I loved to study in high school. I loved um, my English classes because I loved reading and writing. And I loved um, really diving into literature um, and just getting really into the text and kind of wrestling with that. Um, and I knew that I wanted to be at a university that allowed me to um, grow in my faith as a Catholic, um, but also allowed me to be in service um, to others. And so that's kind of how I settled on Villanova now almost 20 years ago. And you know, I thought a lot of over the years, um, especially recently, as I, I've been sort of in discernment, thinking about what will come next in my own career, um, about my decision to major in English. And I think that um, when I came to Villanova and I majored in English, I happened to fall into a crowd with a lot of friends that were not English majors. They were engineers or business students. Um, and so they had very direct career paths that came from their major, you know, my, and some of you are nodding. So I think maybe you've had a similar experience. Like one of my best friends at Villanova is an electrical engineer. We have been out of school 15 years. She is still an electrical engineer. She is an excellent electrical engineer, um, you know, and so I was socializing with folks that had this, this sort of a, a real laser focus on what their career and their field was. And for me, um, I think things were a lot wider for me. I knew that, um, like, I liked reading and writing, and I thought those were important things. And whatever career I was going to go into, I wanted to be able to write well um, and to be able to communicate what was happening. Um, I knew I wanted to do work that was in service to others. Um, I knew that being an English major also meant that I really liked um learning about people's stories, uh, sort of as strangely as that sounded. I was always drawn to like memoirs and coming of age um, stories and, and works. Um, and I've spent most of my career working with young adults, which I think is sort of interesting. Um, so after I graduated from college, 
um, I decided to do a year of service with the program, a program called the Augustinian Volunteers, which is the program I now run. Um, so I went out to San Diego. Um, I spent a year working with high school boys, getting them involved in service and, and uh, retreat work. Um, and I found where I, I really widened sort of my skill set in a lot of ways, but I still got to use a lot of the skills I learned in English class. I had to help students create retreat talks. They needed support in their writing and communicating. I got to um, communicate what we were doing in our little office at the high school to the greater school community, things of that nature. Um, after that, I returned to Villanova. I got my master's degree. I was a campus ministry intern. Some of you have, may have met in your residence halls. Um, and then I worked uh, running the service and justice program, um, break program at Villanova. Um, and so again, that allowed me to really sit with students and learn about their story and learn about what, what they were learning um, about who they were, uh, what they were hoping to do with their life, um, which was really exciting to me. And then for the last nine years, almost nine years. Um, I've been the director of the Augustinian Volunteers. So I'm running that program that I volunteered with myself 15 years ago. Um, and this I, it has been what I've learned is working in a small nonprofit is that you have to wear all of the hats and use all of the skills. And so again, because um, I felt like my I chose a, uh, an educational background that allowed me to learn about a diversity of things. It allowed me to read a diversity of things, um, to explore a diversity of voices. And that has been really helpful as I've worked with a diversity of people doing all sorts of different things. Um, and again, I think one of the most important things is that I feel confident in being able to communicate what our work is to all of our stakeholders because of um, the skills I gained as an English major, um, especially writing. I really, I'm like beating a, a drum here, but I really can't emphasize how important I think it is in the professional world to be able to write concisely and clearly. And then, you know, honestly, um, I still have a love of reading. Um, and so that means that when there's something professionally I'm interested in, that's the way I learn um, is that I find a book that has to do with a place that our volunteers are serving or an issue they're encountering um, and look to share that knowledge that way with the folks I'm working with. Um, so that's a little bit about me. Um, thank you for having me and I'll be happy to answer any questions you know, later on. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Joanna. Um, next, Patrick Mullaney is gonna tell us a bit about his um, journey. Sure, so um, prior to everyone joining, I was telling the uh, panelists that my, um, Dad actually coaches at Villanova, and um, he's one of the women's basketball coaches, and uh, he started around late 90s. So the reason is kind of the reason why I wound up at Villanova was that, um, <clears throat> you know, he, him coaching there kind of, I grew up around Villanova. I grew up going to practices, going to games, going to the campus. Um, it really just was like my second home. So I didn't really... Um, I didn't do any other campus visits, you know, it was just Villanova all the way. So, um, so uh, getting into Villanova and getting into the uh, College of Liberal Arts and Sciences was, um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I, um, I knew I liked reading, I knew I liked writing, um, and I didn't, I respond better to writing papers than taking tests. So kind of, uh, you know, I took that and figure it was either it was I was going between communications and English and English went out and um you know ultimately I, I spent some time um writing for the Villanovan um and uh other you know volunteer opportunities as well as you know various activities with the um basketball teams but graduating from Novan 2009 um what 2009 was not a friendly um job market um and uh I kind of, um, I spent the, that summer as a camp, a basketball camp counselor um, and for Villanova and um, then wound up as a kind of a teacher activities coordinator for AmeriCorps <laughs> for a year. And um, along that, or at that same time, I was a basketball coach for a local uh, high school in Bryn Mawr. So kind of a, started out kind of exploring, you know, different, um, you know, things, you know, unsure, still unsure of kind of what I wanted to do. And then a recruiter contacted me about a uh, contract position at a company called Lincoln Financial Group, which is actually down the road from Villanova and Radnor. And um, 
it was an editorial assistant position where um, kind of I was helping assisting with you know anything the marketing department needed, um, getting exposure to um, the financial industry, getting exposure to um, uh, copywriting and kind of you know different projects I had going on there. And that was being as the, that was a contract position. It lasted about a year or so, and then I wound up as a um, marketing editor for one in one internet which is um um if you know godaddy if you know squarespace they kind of they have um solutions for people who want websites people who want domain names server um you know servers and that kind of thing so you know if you wanted com you'd go to one in one and my job there was uh creating co marketing copy copy for the website creating email marketing content um print ads uh digital ads um, we did a little bit of tv advertising but um, not as much as a GoDaddy would have, but um, they were a German-based company, and um, I, I got to travel to Germany a little bit doing with that job. And my position after four years was relocated to Germany, so they gave me the choice of either going to Germany, uh, keeping my job, or um, leaving the company. So um, I opted to leave, and um, in that in-between time where I was searching for a job after one-on-one. A recruiter contacted me about a position at Teva Pharmaceuticals, where um, the primary role was a proofreader. So, um, you know, you'd have to proofread any and all content that was public facing, and you know, um, you know, as a product launch you know, approached, you know, you'd have to all sorts of marketing collateral. You'd have to double check to make sure that you know, um, you know, product names look right, you know, all all that stuff. So, you know, along along with those proofreading. Um, duties i had to um i had to, you know there was a bunch of other relationship management where you you uh, would work with a lot of other departments and um you know gathering information for the launch um anytime a customer need you know had any kind of need a lot of that filtered through our department as well so you know like i said the main re responsibility there was uh, proofreading but and then i got the opportunity to um um, move beyond that role and kind of it, the title was marketing communications professional. I move into more of the um, creating the content rather than proofreading it. So, um, you know, any kind of communications you needed around um, the product launch, around a product um, change, if, you know, a product was getting terminated or getting any kind of change um, applied to it, we, you know, we'd have to communicate that to our customers and the marketplace. Um, and then uh, another relocation um, led me to, uh, so Tab Pharmaceuticals relocated my position to Bar Sydney, New Jersey, and um, being, you know, living outside of Philadelphia wasn't, my wife and I weren't really interested in moving to Bar Sydney. So again, I left um, Teva and um, so, and that was actually around the time my um, first son was born. So I actually took some time to myself, it was like seven months, you know, between my job at Teva and then my next job, which was a short contract position with Barclays Bank. And it was kind of a, just a, you know, a short contract marketing position where, but I was really more interested in um, the role I have now, which is marketing manager at Barry Pharmaceuticals, as Dr. Hicks alluded to and uh, mentioned in the beginning. And in that current position, we are a, um, Verity Pharmaceuticals is a small company. Um, it started in the U.S. around 2020. Um, I started with them in January 2021. Uh, they've been um, they're primarily located in uh, Canada. They started in Canada around 2015 or 2016, and they're trying to. We're trying to establish a um, looking to establish a um, stronger presence in the U.S. Our one of our our one product in the U.S. is right now is Trelstar, which is a um, it's a drug that helps uh, men with prostate cancer. So it helps them to, uh, it's for the palliative treatment of advanced prostate cancer, which is, you know, palliative is a way of saying it helps them to lower their testosterone and um, help, you know, help them live a longer life with that affliction. Um, so it's an older product. Uh, they acquired it from a company called Aralgan. And uh, we, you know, a lot of the, um, a lot of my job right now is, um you know working on marketing materials to help revitalize it help you know help reintroduce it to the market along with kind of um as a small company you're i'm helping to create um different processes that would go along with um you know you're helping to kind of build and shape the um 
the company. So, um, so yeah, that's where I've been at um, the past year. And um, yeah, I think uh, as uh, Joanne mentioned, you know, obviously uh, happy to answer any all questions that um, you guys might have. So, thanks. Great, thanks, Patrick. Um, and now we have Megan Munez uh, to talk a bit about her work in uh, uh, as director of diversity and inclusion partnerships advisor. Thank you. Thanks everyone for having me. Um, it's nice to see some faces here. If you are comfortable, feel free to come on screen and give me a wave. Um, I'm dialing in from sunny Southern California between San Diego and LA. I'm not from California. Part of my story is about um, evolution and moving and pivoting and transferring skills that I learned as an undergraduate at Villanova. I did graduate with my English degree in 2005, which doesn't seem that long ago, but then you like actually do the math and you're like, oh, that's a whole lifetime for people. Um, so I did, um, I was born and raised in Chicago, um, lived in Connecticut, went to high school in Connecticut and uh, went to Villanova, like I said. Um, studied English. I had a minor in communications. And um, like Pat and Joanna, there's some, there's some similar themes here you'll, you'll hear me talk to. I did not know what I wanted to do when I graduated. I had lots of friends who were accountants, who were nurses, who were engineers. And it was like, as soon as you choose your major and your study, that is what you are. That is what you are going to be. And you will likely have a job before you graduate. For a lot of English majors out there, that is not the case. Um, 2005 also wasn't a great year to find a job, um, so I moved home uh, to Chicago, and I started waiting tables and figuring it out. I really, at that time in my life, I wanted to be around people. I wanted to um, travel, uh, and I wanted to have a lot of fun, and so that's what I got to do. While um, my first job out of school, I became um, a group sales coordinator for a now defunct um, independent boutique hotel sales company. Um, so I was writing RFPs. I was writing sales proposals. I cannot tell you um, in my career how valuable writing is. And that is a transferable skill across any industry and any job. And if you are a good writer and you are a good communicator, you are above other people in a way that like, not above, but you are more, you are valued by leadership. You are valued by your colleagues, your peers. They will throw you projects and presentations and marketing materials and they'll recognize those skills. And that is something that is so valuable and so transferable, like I said. So that has really carried me through a lot of my career. Um, so I started, like I said, I started in Chicago as a group sales coordinator. I ended up transferring to Washington, DC. Um, I wanted to be somewhere new. I wanted to be closer to my friends from college. Um, so worked in our headquarters in DC and then ended up leaving and working for a nonprofit and running their, um, their learning programs. So I was writing online content. I was transferring knowledge from construction managers at the time, which I had no knowledge of construction management. I was, I was translating their subject matter expertise into online content that was readable and accessible for everybody. Again, writing communications, transferable skill. Um, and then at that point, I ended up um, moving to Denver um, because I had an opportunity for an event planning company. They were looking for um, an event manager. I had experience running conferences and events at this nonprofit based in um, DC. So I took a chance. I also wanted to go back to school. Um, this was something I felt along my career at that time. I wanted to have some business foundation as I felt like that was at that point in my life and where I was going next. I really wanted to understand how to run a business um, from a foundational level, whether it be financial accounting, um, marketing, management, et cetera. So um, I ended up going back to school 10 years after I graduated from Villanova. Um, and I, uh, I was one of the oldest people in the program at the University of Denver, but I have my master's in management and organizational dynamics. Um, so studied a lot about leadership, um, people management, change management, organizational dynamics. And at that point was um, promoted to general manager of this women-owned business that I was working for. So that was a really great opportunity for me to really like understand what owning and running a business would be. I ran a $9 million business for about uh, three and a half years, um, did some very cool things. I, I worked Winter Olympics, Rugby World Cup, 
I had amazing clients like Anheuser-Busch, MasterCard, Dell, et cetera. I felt like what I was missing though, or where I was getting a lot of my energy was actually from my nonprofit clients, women's federations, Jewish community centers that I was doing fundraising work for and sponsorship development for. Um, so I recognized similar to Joanna, that the stories that resonated for me, the stories that I felt mattered most were the really the untold stories and the unheard stories. So I really found this neat niche for myself in terms of working with my clients after that. I went out as a consultant and a contractor, again, writing sales proposals, pitching business, creating really just like fantastic thought leadership programs for those special clients. Um, like I said, Anheuser-Busch, great, great company, great client to have, but like, how much beer can you sell? Like, it was like, what is the purpose of what we're doing here? So um, I went on to work for um, then Verizon and Yahoo. They hired me as their diversity and equity um, partnerships manager. So I started their partnership strategy there in terms of how they worked with um, nonprofit and community organizations in terms of finding diverse talent, promoting BIPOC stories, um, working on their supplier diversity initiatives, um, promoting um, and branding educational sessions that could be then put onto our media outlets and really pitching the business across Yahoo News, finance, life, and sports. Um, I was there for about five years and I just took on a new role um, to run partnerships um, for Pfizer. So um, for a lot of you out in Villanova, at, at Villanova, um, they are based in Collegeville, but I'm in California. Um, I'm totally remote. Um, I've moved again since Colorado. About five years ago, we moved to California. And again, that goes back to like evolution. I found I wanted different things. I wanted a different career, a different path. So I've just never felt like I had to make one decision and stick in that path forever. I think that's like the beauty of having a background and a, and a bachelor's degree in English. Um, since then, I've also um, earned my change management certification from ProSci. I've also um, earned my diversity, equity, and inclusion certificate from Cornell University. So there's, I'm definitely someone who loves to learn, who loves to just like consume content. I'm definitely a big reader, but I love podcasts, um, video, TV. Um, so I just definitely am a ferocious reader and um, I just, I really look back fondly at my time at Villanova. I think like what happens as you're an English major, you start to like pick up these practices and habits in terms of being a critical thinker, being curious, asking important questions, um, picking up contextual clues that are again, really valuable in life. And you'll, you'll, it's like, you don't recognize you're doing it because it just becomes part of who you are. So, um, I think the skills and everything you're learning right now is just extremely valuable. And, uh, and if you have questions, please put them in the chat because then we can actually make sure that we're hitting your marks. Great. Thank you so much, Megan. Um, so Mike, are there questions yet? There are not questions in the chat box yet. One question I have is, do I see Professor Quigley online or? <laughs> He's there. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not here. I'm at home with my family. <laughs> I don't know if you were, I, I had a, uh, Hi, I'm still in my office. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, no, I, uh, had Professor Quigley's, uh, Virginia Woolf class in, uh, 2009, I think. Yeah. I remember. I wish I'd heard your, your, your spiel. I was on office hours. No problem. <laughs> It'll be available on the podcast. <laughs> okay. now, uh, we do have a question now from the chat box. So thank you. Uh, the question is, how did you market yourself when starting out in your career? Um, I can start. Um, so um, I'm, gonna, I'm aging myself the more I talk about when I graduated, but 2005 was a really different time for job searching and tech and being online. Um, again, I'm, I'm totally aging myself, but smartphones, it's like, that was, I think I got my first smartphone like maybe a year later, but, um, but regardless, um, that was really difficult at that point right now. And then I can talk about like right now, the differences and how I've like really transitioned and again, evolved. Um, marketing through professional groups came in super, um, where it was so important in 2005. So I joined a couple um, 
alum. I definitely joined alumni group, the Villanova alumni group. As soon as I move anywhere, and I told you I've lived in like five or six places in the country, I joined the alumni network group. They are they welcome you with open arms. Um, now everything being like more online, I, we used to do like a lot more in person, of course. Um, but you can meet people in the industry. You can meet people in the area. They can connect you. Most Villanovans and most people in general are really like wanting to help um, recent grads. So consider that like your first point for a resource and how to market yourself. And then um, I also was part of a sorority. So I joined my sororities alumni group in the areas where I was um, moving. Um, I also joined um, an event management professional group at that point just to meet people in Chicago. Um, that came in handy as well. And then obviously as technology has evolved and online marketing and, and personal brand, um, LinkedIn is huge. So like make sure your LinkedIn is as up to date as possible. I mean, I update mine probably, I mean, I don't change my career as often as I, I used to, but I'm on there. I'm on LinkedIn almost every day, like checking out what other people are doing. I'm linking it, you know, I'm connecting other articles, et cetera. And that, and then absolutely make sure that your resume or CV, whichever you prefer is up to date. And the way you can do that is more often you update it, then you don't have to like go back every two years, your job searching and then be like, what was I doing this whole time? Just start updating it. It becomes practice, put it on like your desktop or wherever is easiest for you to remember to look at it every so often and keep that as up to date as possible because recruiters like Pat obviously has been reached out to by recruiters. Same with me. As soon as they want a resume, then it's just ready to go. Um, that's my advice, but Pat and Joanna. I was just going to say, um, well, I echo especially, well, I echo two things Megan said. One, I too feel like I'm dating myself because things were very different in 2007. I don't even think I had a smartphone until 2010. That's a different problem. But um, but um, I, I really echo currently keeping your LinkedIn like really up to date and fresh. Um, absolutely. Um, I, for me, so I feel like I was a little bit unique in that um, I joined this postgraduate service program right out of college. So I, you know, I did this year of service um, again, which is the, the program I now run. But so I was, we take recent college graduates, um, you're matched with a community partner, you work full time with that community partner for uh, 10 months and live in, in community with your peers and, and the program pays all of your living expenses. So I was sort of in this unique situation where, you know, here I was in California for 10 months um, in a job that I wasn't, I was only going to be in for 10 months, right? I wasn't ever going to stay. And actually there probably was an opportunity for me to stay, but I had already wanted to come back to the East Coast at, at that point. Um, but from being in, in that setting um, and having an interest in continuing to work then with young adults and working in to help folks volunteer and engage in volunteerism and community impact and things like that. Um, I ended up in this network of people um, that had all sorts of connections everywhere. And so that's what really allowed me to go back to graduate school because I needed funding to go to graduate school. And so it was like, well, there's this program at Villanova that I was familiar with as an undergrad, but I also now had more lived experience that um, made me sort of a better fit and, and better match my interests. Um, that would pay for my graduate school. And I feel like things just sort of kept building from there. And I will say now the Augustinian volunteers, we have about 400 alumni across the country, um, all about ages 42 to, you know, 23. Um, and a huge thing that I do is connect folks to each other for career opportunities. And so um, I really echo what, what Megan said about people really want to help. Um, and so sometimes it means sort of sticking your neck out that, that first time initially and saying, you know, let me reach out to this person who I think might be connected um, to a variety of different people about what it is I want to do. And um, it's a part of my job that I really enjoy. I love, love, love connecting people. And so when I have a recent volunteer, someone who's just finished the program, who says, you know, I'm interested in medical sales or something, right? Like something totally different than what our program does. I can take a look at who of our 400 alumni might do something like that and make a match. So I really, um, I feel like for me, I've been very fortunate in that being in that circle has led kind of to this, the several job opportunities that I've had. Um, 
And it's also, I think, allowed for growth for others who have participated in the program. So I definitely echo like keeping those connections strong and thinking about the spaces that you're in already. You know, maybe you're involved with something at Villanova that has an alumni presence, or maybe you're involved in something off campus um, in a different space. And so thinking about how you can leverage those connections um, and just sort of leading with who you are and, and what you're interested in. Um, and the, the final thing is that I'll say is that I think it's really important to know that, um, and this has been a hard lesson for me to learn, whatever you choose to do um, does not have to be the thing you do for the rest of your life. Like I, you know, I found just in who I am and as a person that I am deeply loyal to institutions that have formed me. You know, I still help my high school fundraise. I have been at Villanova for around Villanova, basically like 20 years in one way, shape or form. And um, I have a real sense of commitment to places that have formed me, but also sometimes that can hold me back. Um, and so I think it's important to know that you don't especially your generation, um, you're not going to be in the same job for 25 years. Like you're probably going to have a lot of different types of jobs um, and that's totally okay. So when you think about putting yourself out there and what your next step is, is that it doesn't have to be the thing you do forever. It can just be something that you try and you learn and grow through. Yeah, no, and to add to that, it, it'd be incredibly rare if you do find yourself in I, I think you'd be very fortunate to find yourself at the same company for, you know, 30 years, like a um, engineer might, or, you know, if a, you know, a teacher out of school, um, you know, um, one thing uh, to add to the um, question uh, I wanted to say was, um, <clears throat> I didn't market myself well uh, out of college. And I, I think that, um, and there weren't as many tools, uh, the social media tools um, as there are now. Um, but uh I think that what I what I looked to do was just try to um, learn as much as I could about what was out there at the time. You know, I didn't even know. You know, I knew I was like the standard job search sites like uh, CareerBuilder, um, Monster.com um, was popular back then. But you know, I didn't know about Indeed.com, and I found out about it through a through a Villanova um, classmate and. Um, you know, just, you never know where you're going to find help. Um, and you never, you know, just keep any and all connections open. Um, you know, I, echoing what Megan said, you know, establish a strong presence on LinkedIn, make sure it's updated. Um, I found my position, a couple of my positions through recruiters just contacted me because they had my phone number from the, um, my resume that was available online. So, um, and it's worked out that way, but, um, and one uh, anecdote I meant to mention in my um, five minute spiel was, uh, I, I think, you know, it's it's obvious, but uh, everybody's experience is gonna be different in terms of, and in terms of, um, you know, your journey towards getting, uh, you know, whatever job you wind up in and whatever, you know, uh, jobs let's say, <clears throat> you wind up in is um, for the interview process. Um, it's going, you know, they're it's gonna be completely random and it's gonna be, you know, the my current position I got um, through uh, two 30 minute uh, video interviews and but one one thing that um, was in my favor was one of the guys that interviewed me knew somebody I had worked with at Teba and he had asked about me um, to that person and they said I had done a decent job at Teba and you know to put in a good word for me so you know just I <laughs> I'd encourage you guys to you know whatever the situation might be that um, if you do wind up leaving a position, don't burn any, any bridges, you know, for sure, you know, keep all the connections open, you know, be, you know, courteous, be professional, be friendly with any, you know, uh, any and everybody. Um, and, you know, because you never know how that's going to influence you down the line. It is. And where I found myself in the pharmaceutical industry, it's kind of a small world. Um, the product we have now, like the, um, people who interacted with it worked at a company that Teba bought. So, you know, I, the, the people, a lot of people are in the same circles right now too. So <clears throat> like I said, you just never know what's, you know, what could help you. Mike, was there another question in the chat? I think there might've been. There is. So there's a question here. What was the most challenging aspect of entering the job with a degree in English? Yeah, I'll kick it off again. I mean, for me, it was that I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I would read 
a zillion job descriptions and say, well, that seems cool. I mean, and I could do that, right? Um, I uh, I interviewed for uh, not Augustinian volunteers, but Teach for America. I thought at one point maybe I'd go volunteer in the Marshall Islands with a different program. I thought at one point I was going to be a teacher. I had an internship um, at a, a journal on the main line. I, I like, I didn't know. And I think like exactly what Joanna was saying is like, you don't have to know right now, and it likely will not be what you do for the rest of your life. So take every day as it comes, right? Like read every job description you're interested in. And if it fits like your needs and your values at this time in your life, go for it. It doesn't have to be something that you like hang your hat at for 30 years. Um, you're not signing anything in blood. Like you can always make a different decision down the road and you will, and that's okay. And that's encouraged. So, you know, like I said, when I graduated, I had some very specific ideas about what I wanted to do. I wanted to travel. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to be around cool, exciting people. I got to like produce concerts and travel. Right. But I was working around the clock on everyone else's schedule. And as I, you know, grew and matured and evolved in my life and my values and my priorities changed. So did what I wanted out of a job and out of a career, right? So I'm home more often. I'm remote. Um, for a long time, I was creating my own hours. I still travel a lot. That's super important to me, but it's on my own time. It's on my own schedule. I have a lot more like wherewithal to control my own work-life balance. Um, so I think it's, that was probably the most challenging, but then when I didn't know what I know now, right? I didn't, at that time, it was very stressful. I felt a lot of pressure. Um, I grew up in a um, family of, of a lot of business people and engineers, right? And they're all like, what are you doing? What are you doing? It was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm trying to figure it out and you'll figure it out. Um, but that definitely for me was the most challenging. I just didn't, it, it almost seemed too broad. I, I was too broad. And then I would have to like show up in a different way for different interviews. Oh yeah. Okay. I could do this. And then you're interviewing for something else the next day. And we're going to do this. So you have to be sure, you know, like what your focus is, what your values are, what your priorities are to really know, like where your focus should be um to add to that uh like megan and uh joanna i think joanna i i didn't know i really didn't know what i wanted to do coming out of college and uh you know i think that uh you know but the great thing about the english major is it can lend itself to so many different um industries you know i think that uh you know as <clears throat> we've been talking about you know writing and um editing and reading are essential to any workplace and any position and you know you'll see directors you know in their positions you know writing different typos in their emails and you're going to kind of frown but it's, <laughs> it's kind of but um you know it just happens and but you'll be the one that you know um won't have that kind of stuff in your you know and your communications will be crisp and you know all that stuff and um you know it's you, you're gonna you'll, you'll find what you, you know, you'll find what you're looking for and you're, you know, you'll, I wanted to say something else. Sorry. We'll come back to it. <laughs> Joanna, do you want to speak to that question? I have another question that I'm curious about asking you guys, if not. Sure. I'll just speak briefly uh, and just say, you know, I think, honestly, I think that my, my biggest challenge was getting out of my own way. I think because I, um, I think that if I had actually gone to like a liberal arts college where everyone was studying liberal arts, I think this would have been less of an issue. But I think for even particularly like when when I went to Villanova, like things were a little bit different. Like we didn't even have and, and maybe like Megan, you remember this, like we didn't even have like the big college specific graduation ceremony. Like they just kind of like handed us our diploma in uh, like an office or something. Um, and so I remember because so many of my friends were um, engineers or business majors, you know, where there was sort of a lot more celebration around their major and whatnot. I think sometimes I felt a little bit like less than like that. Maybe I had sort of picked um, a major that wasn't as intellectual or, or maybe I wasn't as smart, even though like I was a very strong student. Um, and so I think I internalized like a little bit more of that than I probably should have. And um, now that I've sort of been at Villanova a while and sort of seen how the university has grown and changed, I think that's, they've made some great strides around that. Um, but I would really encourage you to not 
have that mentality um, and to not not worry about the value of your degree as it um, relates to um, it, you know um, like the thing you're going to be when you grow up. You know, um, so I would try to. I think if I were to go back in time, I would let go of a little bit of that, and I think I likely would have probably still ended up where I am now. Um, but I think that maybe there would have been like a little less angst in the process or a little less, um, maybe I would have had a little bit more confidence about the academic portion of myself that I was bringing, even though, again, I was a strong student. I think I, I led more with the contributions I had for the extracurricular things I did on campus, feeling like um, sometimes the academic piece wasn't recognized in the same way as some of my peers, if that made sense. Yeah, I mean, imposter syndrome is real. And part of that totally might have, I can I can resonate with some of that, Joanna, for sure. But let me tell you, like, um, I went to business school later and I, a lot of those, um, the kids that were, um, the students that were in that program with me might've been like finance majors, undergrad. Um, I mean, I, I excelled in my business program. So have no doubt that like you can do what they're doing in Bartley. I just don't think that they can do what you're doing in Tolentine to be very honest. So like, I'm not trying to start a competition, but we know there's competition out there. Like it, it's real. So um, yeah, you have so much value and the skills and everything you're learning, like will be valuable. Like I said, in any industry at any company. Great, thanks so much. Are there other questions from the students? I do have a question, but. If anybody else wants to pipe up, please. Uh, there's not one right now, so this would be a good time for your question, Heather. Okay. I guess I wondered, um, one question I had was if there are any specific misconceptions about each of your fields, whether it's nonprofit work or, you know, the kind of work that um, uh, Megan and Pat do, you know, what what are the misconceptions you would want to disabuse people of, if, if there are any? So for the pharmaceutical industry, I think there's a lot of um, bad press at times. Um, some deserve, some not so. Um, I, I genuinely believe with pharmaceutical industry that we um, are striving to um, help people and help, you know, whatever might ail them. Um, you know, you do have the bad apples out there and Teva was actually part of that um, controversy where um, they had a lawsuit levied against them with um, regards to um, opiates and um, price um, price fixing and that kind of thing. I think that, um, you know, you're going to have, you know, in, in any industry, you're going to have, you know, things that, um, you know, might uh, put a negative uh, spin on things, but just, you know, be true to your values, be true to what, you know, I, I, I what I wanted to do um, in coming to Teva was just do a job and, you know, um, interact with, uh, you know, my colleagues, uh, in a meaningful way and you know kind of like i said um with pharmaceuticals we were providing you know um in some instances life-saving you know medication to people and you know something that helps them you know with their everyday <laughs> live their everyday lives so um you know you're going to have like i said in any industry you're going to have something that might um be a negative but just you know uh, understand what you're there for um i would say um like uh, being in tech for the last couple of years, I would say a couple things. One is um, anyone can be, I'm gonna speak as a woman in tech, anyone can be a woman in tech. You don't have to be an engineer. And I don't think I really knew that when I was um, 21, 22 years old. I think I was, again, like intimidated imposter syndrome for sure. Like, oh, they won't, you know, Google won't wanna hire me because of X, Y, and Z. And um, so, recognize that like every business has um, a need for marketing, advertising, creative folks, um, writers, business professionals, finance teams, legal counsel. Um, so these companies are not just built on engineers alone. Um, so don't be intimidated by either a company name or a job title. Um, look at, you know, the responsibilities and the description. And if it's a fit for you, you should go for it. Absolutely. Don't be the first person that says no to you. Like, don't be the first no. Let other people take that on. Be your yes is my advice in um, if you want to explore a career in tech. Don't be wishy-washy either. Don't like be like 
be direct don't you know in emails you know don't say i think this i think like just be like you know be stern be direct in you know your communication so you don't come off as you know um anything other than um you know what you're <clears throat> you know what you want to come off as and what was i gonna say um there's a shoot that was my train of thought <laughs> um joanne i didn't know if you had anything to add to that question. Sure. Um, I, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about the nonprofit industry. I'll, I'll spare you my full diatribe. Um, I think one of the biggest things is that I think that people um, think that because nonprofit work is all about promoting the common good or meeting needs or things like that, that it's sort of not business. Um, and the now, after like 15 years in the field and working with a variety of community partners, I can tell you that the places that um, are the strongest and meet their um, the needs of their clients or their, their stakeholders are the people that run their organizations like strong businesses. Um, and I think that sometimes in our culture, we decide that um, it's you're doing a good thing. So maybe you don't need to be compensated the same way as the for-profit sector, or um, you don't need the same resources as a for-profit sector. But the, the reality is that to be successful, that you need those things. You need to be able to get the right people on the right seats in the on the right bus to do the work. Um, and so I, um, I kind of feel like we're at a little bit of a turning point in the nonprofit industry um, in the way that it intersects with the for-profit industry, particularly around issues of DEI um, and community impact and things like that. And I'm really excited to see that um, and to see um, how, how that's going to sort of shape the field and the industry. Um, and I think that, uh, again, I think that your generation is folks in college and getting ready to graduate. Um, you have a much more integrated approach to a lot of these issues, which is going to make you a more conscientious and responsible worker, uh, no matter where you are. Um, and I think that's that's really important. Um, but I sometimes feel that I have sort of one foot in each world. I, you know, I work with young adults and so I see what's happening in your peer group, but I also am working for um, you know, an, an a older religious institution that has hundreds and hundreds of years of tradition. Um, and so it's interesting to kind of navigate those two spaces um, and to think about kind of innovation there. But I think I think there's a lot, a lot, a lot of misconceptions about the nonprofit world for sure. Great. Thank you so much for those answers. Um, does anyone, students have a, a, this is your last chance to ask a question. We're, we're running low on time. So if you have any Anything you're dying to ask these um, amazing panelists, this is your chance. While they mull, mull over a question, I remember sure. to, um, where I lost my train of thought. Sure. You might find that um, in going into um, whatever career you wind up in, you know, if it is creative, if it is something, you know, um, copywriting, marketing related, like, <clears throat> you know, um, I think a theme of English majors is that we want to be creative uh, sometimes. You might find that um, your your skills are more. What I'm, what I'm saying is, sorry. Um, I I went into kind of like uh, my role at one and one, thinking, oh, it's going to be very creative. It's going to be, you know, I'm getting to be, you know, I'm going to create all sorts of, you know, exciting copy, etc. But then you have like people above you that kind of filter what you're trying to say and kind of. Um, so one of like you might like you might find your skills are going to translate more towards something else in that and <clears throat> whatever you know job you wind up in. So you know don't obviously don't lose that you know part of yourself, the creativity and et cetera. But you know you might find yourself funneling it towards different. Um, you know it might not be part of your job. It might be just you know you know continuing to read. You know continuing to digest whatever media is out there, you know, podcasts, TV, movies, et cetera. Um, but yeah, one thing I regret, <laughs> uh, you know, my, my current regrets right now is I kind of lost the thread with reading right now, but I, I find myself reading more towards the micro, you know, Twitter <laughs> threads and that kind of thing. And, um, but, you know, definitely I encourage you guys not to lose that, um, you know, love of reading and, you know, writing, et cetera. Well, we all have the recommendation Jessica shared with us for Nightingale, right? So that can be, Patrick, that can be your yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's on the list. I second that recommendation. I read that a few years ago. It's excellent. Yeah, I would put that in my top 10. 
what no Englishman is fully successful unless we all have a new book to get excited about. Not a, not a book, but that uh, the dropout on Hulu with the going over Elizabeth Holmes from Theranos is really uh, enlightening about, you know, um, and uh, dope sick is another pharmaceutical industry um, on Hulu. Oh, I can drop some. And if you're interested in DE&I, um, some of my favorites are um, recently I read Cast by Isabel Wilkinson, Wilkerson. Um, if you're interested in caste systems really on a global scale, um, how that relates to um, bias and racism in our world today, super interesting. And then one of my favorites is always James Baldwin. If you're not familiar, I could read um, Begin Again, I don't know, multiple times a year. So I'm always learning from um, Mr. Baldwin. Great. I love it. And I'll just say I'm currently reading the One Book Philly, My Broken Language by Kiera um, Alegria Hudes. And so I've liked that so far. She's from North Philly. She, if you're familiar with In the Heights, she wrote the book for In the Heights, um, but she's a Pulitzer Prize winning author. Um, and she writes about being a Puerto Rican woman in North Philly, but also sort of living in, in Malvern. So uh, I think it's the first time in quite some time that the one book Philly has been a Philly author. So I highly recommend that. Is uh, Station Eleven one of the books taught in the apocalyptic one or no? I'm not teaching it this time, um, but I, te I teach it in my other uh, course that also is somewhat focused on apocalyptic literature. So, and that's so actually a, that's like a HBO series now or something. I yeah, think. it's one of those. It's one of those where the um, video medium almost equal the you know you always hear like the book was better than the movie but uh you know the they did a really good job with the hbo max series yeah it's an interesting novel well guys i could sit here and talk all night about <laughs> books um but we are we are basically out of time um thank you so much um big round of applause for our panelists please if you had um, told 2009 me that i'd be doing this i i would have <laughs> maybe laughed in your face because I, I remember 2009 me was uh presenting my thesis and I was you know uh you know shaking you know presenting to the people you know like 30 people or so I was shaking in my chair <laughs> so well we're thrilled really 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 thrilled um that you all came and spent time with us and uh shared uh these perspectives because I think they're really useful and inspiring Thank you.